this morning we're going to continue on with our series uh, that we've been talking about, a different kind, and we've been filling in that blank. Uh, last week was a different kind of person. We talked about this man named Barnabas, who, would, who was a man who affirmed the calling of, of Saul, who was somebody in part of this church community who affirmed this calling and helped set up Saul for his missionary work. And this morning we're going to talk, we're going to build on that a little bit more and what that means, not just for individuals, but what that means as a community, what that means as the local church. And this morning's uh, sermon title is The Local Mission. Uh, If you turn to Acts chapter 11, Acts chapter 11 at verse 19, and when you have turned there, if you can please stand in body or in spirit for the reading of God's word Lord, we pray that you bless this time in your weakness. In my weakness, Father God, use me. We thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hear these words from Acts chapter 11, verse 19. Now those who have been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only... or Antioch. I told us where I was at. There we are. Telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men, of Cy- men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks. Also telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them and a great number of the people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. When Barnabas went to Tars, then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and through the spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, each according to his ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. This they did, sending their gifts to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Growing up, the first 12 years of my life, my family and I attended this church called Templo de la Fe. So in English, that means Temple of Faith. And uh, if the word alone, like I hear churches with names like that, and I, I have this feeling like, oh, I'm going to be in church for a long time with just an extravagant name like that. And we were. It was a small Spanish church in Pomona. And when I say that we were in church all day Sunday, I kid you not, we were in church all day Sunday. Uh, the first couple years of my life, like I mentioned, we were in church. My parents were Sunday school teachers. So we were in church from 9 a.m. starting at Sunday school all the way till about 9 a.m. to 10 was Sunday school. 10 to 10.15, like the social time. 10.15 to 11.15 was praise and worship. And then there was like a 10, 15 minute little sermon about tithe and offering. 
and then another praise and worship song. And then around 11.30, 11.35, the message would start. And then that would go to about 12.30. And then if there was an altar call, then you'd be there till about 2. And so if there wasn't an altar call, which was very rare, uh, you would probably get out around 1. And then as, you, as they were uh, finishing up the service, it was expected that you would go downstairs because there were people, sisters in the church, who would be cooking food for their congregation to help support missionaries. So you would have to go downstairs. And by the time they would serve food and you would eat, you'd have maybe an hour, if that sometimes, not even that, and until the next evening service would start. And then you were expected to be at evening service, and then you would, you would literally be there all day long. And so growing up, Sundays were just a very long day for me. And like I said, the first 12 years of my life, so very young, I was in the church all days on Sundays. But the church just didn't take up all Sundays. You see, this, this, my church also was a place where I was there pretty much every day. Mondays uh, was uh, Mondays was the day that me and my dad and my brother would help like do the the church grounds. So we cut grass, bu- uh, all the hedges and bushes and all that stuff, picking up the trash. Which, if you're interested in doing that, I know Roger Borson would love some help. So if you have any questions about that, see Roger Borson. But it was a time where my dad, and my brother, and I would go and like clean up the church. Tuesdays and Thursdays, my dad was also in charge of the homeless ministry. And so we would pack uh, Tuesdays with fam- or, or, uh, homeless bags, uh, food bags for like single people. And then on Thursdays, we would pack family bags, which were like double the size of food. And so after school, we'd go to church for a few hours, pack these bags, pack anywhere between 50 to 100 bags, depending on what the predicament was for that upcoming Saturday. Wednesday night, we didn't have cadets. We had a thing called Royal Rangers. And so we'd have Royal Rangers on Wednesday nights. Thursday, we were at church packing bags. Friday was when they would have youth group. And then Saturday morning, we would be passing out the homeless bags in the morning. So this was my life growing up. And I'll never forget when we left that church and we went to a church in Chino, Cross Point CRC, and service started exactly at 9.30. And we were done at 10.45 on the dot. That's with everything. And my family sat there and we looked like, what do we do now? Like, what do we do now? Like, what, what is it that we do now? We have this whole Sunday. Before, we didn't have Sundays, but now we have a time and opportunity to, like, do things. And we found ourselves engaging more with our church community, our, our neighborhood. But we realized just because there wasn't an official service didn't mean that the ministry stopped. It didn't mean that the ministry was done or that conversations were over. These conversations over, like, poured into the homes following the service. And the reason why I share this with you is because it, it reminds me, like, I'm so thankful for the way I was raised because of the people that God has placed in my life that I met through the church. People that invested in me, that affirmed my calling, that have walked beside me, that have, hey, that have um, poured encouragement in me and also have taught me like, hey, there are some things you should do different. And those are tough conversations, but those are, like, those conversations need to happen. And so I'm very thankful for that. I think of the image of the church and I think of the church we see here. Okay. And so we're going to focus on two churches this morning. The first we're going to talk about is this church in Antioch and is a church that is born from trial. 
You see, we see this church in Antioch, and as Stephen was persecuted, people are watching this. Stephen becomes the first martyr of the faith, and people are watching what happens. So much, in fact, they say, hey, I believe the same thing he does. I better hit, hit town, like leave town, because if not, I'm going to end up like him. So in a way, you can probably say out of, some of them out of fear left Jerusalem. They left that town, but it didn't stop the message. Because as we see these group of people that leave, they spread out. Some go to Cyprus, some go to Serene, some go to Antioch. And it says in, in this chapter, it talks about how they first, some of them started talking only to Jews and sharing the message with some of the Jews. There's a common language there. But we also see that they're, uh, they're also reaching out to those who are Greek. A culture that is much different than what the Jews experienced, that, that many of the Jews live by. A different culture, a different place, and they're preaching the gospel, the, the good news of Jesus to this group of people. This language that is universal in this area, that everybody would know, that majority of people in Antioch would live by. And so we see the message of God is going into this community, all these communities, and we're talking specifically about Antioch. And we see that this, this church started to grow. And it's out of this persecution, out of this persecution, this church is formed. Out of trial, out of something so scary and so troubling, a church is formed. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, some only spoke to Jews and some spoke to the Greeks. And as I, read, as I read that and as I was studying it this week, it reminded me that the gospel has no limits. That the good news of Jesus has no limits no matter what language one speaks. There goes my notes. No matter what language one speaks, that the gospel is for them and the gospel is going to be made known to them. And it's a message for all. As we continue on in verses 22 through 24, we see a church that is called to disciple. And I'm going to read that really quick. Uh, Acts 11:22. Now of this reached, news reached of this, news of this reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. As I read this, I'm reminded that there's a, the, the church is called to disciple. You see, the church of Jerusalem gets news of this. Remember, we talked uh, that there's some distance between Jerusalem and Antioch. It's much farther than the place we talked about last week. Antioch is probably three weeks travel from Jerusalem, if not farther. And so we see that the, the news is traveling. <clears throat> Excuse me. News is traveling. And I can, I can imagine the news reaching Jerusalem, and I can picture the, the leaders in Jerusalem remembering their past remembering what it was like starting up, remembering the conversations they had, remembering the times where they had to distribute food among people and things weren't done in a balanced way, remembering their good times and also their difficult times. You see, the church in Jerusalem was remembering what they've experienced because it was out of remembering there was action. They went and they sent out people to Antioch to encourage them. 
they remember the early stages of them being a church. And out of that, out of that remembering, they sent out Barnabas. And we talked about Barnabas last week. And Barnabas is our, is our, is our guy. He's like somebody who we're learning from right now who I'm like, Barnabas doesn't get a whole lot of credit throughout Scripture. We think of the New Testament. We think of, obviously, we think of Jesus. We think of, of Paul. We think of, like, Timothy. But not many, not many times is, is Barnabas on the, on the, like, the one you think of the most. But we have to be reminded that Barnabas is one of the key people that helped establish the gospel be spread out throughout the world. Barnabas was somebody who was just, who was just somebody who just encouraged. He was somebody who affirmed people. He, he did it for Saul when Saul was converted and people were scared of him. He said, hey, let me tell you, about, you know, it's, it's all right. Like, I saw God's work in his life. You can trust me. I trust Saul. And people are like, okay, we trust Barnabas. You know what? We're going to trust Saul. And so what did they do again? They, the church in Jerusalem sends Barnabas back up to Antioch, okay? And they start, and Barnabas is up there, and he starts affirming their ministry. Barnabas is somebody who just encourages and affirms, and there's someone who I think like that. You know who reminds me like that a lot is Pastor Bill Berling. Pastor Bill is uh, I was telling people when I grow up, I wanted to like Pastor Bill because one thing that Pastor Bill used to do was Pastor Bill would show up, show up to our staff meetings, would show up to our staff meetings and would just sit there and be like, yep, you know what? He would sit there and just encourage staff and he would just pour life into us and he'd be like, hey, he, he pulled me after staff meetings. He's like, hey, you're doing a great job. You're killing it. And I'm like, thanks, Bill. Like, I appreciate that. And I would leave so encouraged. And that's how I pictured Barnabas. I pictured Barnabas being a man who sits among his community, who knows them, who hears them, and says, hey, you're killing the game right now. You're doing great. Keep your head up. Keep your head up and keep pushing through. Keep pushing through these new things because guess what? God is being praised. Barnabas is a friend is our friend who reminds us to just continue to affirm and encourage what God is doing. And as Barnabas is probably there, he's probably, he's probably thinking, you know what? Like, I'm going to need some help. There's been times in my ministry where I've experienced that, where I'm in a place where I'm encouraging, I'm affirming people, but I realize, oh my gosh, I need help. And a person who I used to call all the time was my friend Chad Roberts. Chad Roberts passed away in this past January. And uh, Chad was an individual who I got the privilege to serve alongside with for a number of years. My first few years here at the river, um, I was assigned a small group. And my small group was not a, like really a small group. It was like 13 young guys in my small group, which is not a small group at all. It's just a very large group with one leader. And mind you, with 13 different people, you're going to have 13 different stories. You're going to have 13 different backgrounds. You're going to have just a whole wide range of people experiencing life. And are at different stages, are at different stages of life. And I remember I had a couple of students who I just 
had the hardest time connecting with. And I feel like I do an okay job connecting with students. Like, obviously there's areas I need to grow in, but there are, for the most part, I feel like, you know what, I feel like I connect really well with students. There is a few students in my small group who I had the hardest time connecting with. And I remember calling Chad Roberts up. Chad was an individual who had a, a tough childhood, um, went through some things, and uh, has a, had a testimony. And uh, I remember calling Chad up. I was like, dude, he's like, what's up? And I was like, hey, I had these two dudes that I need help with. And he's like, all right, all right, I'm on my way. And for the next few years, Chad would walk alongside these guys, some of these guys in my small group, just because of what Jesus did in his life. He was somebody who I trusted. It was like, hey, dude, I need your help. I, <laughs> I don't know what to do in this situation. Like, I got you. Let me take care of these ones. You focus on those ones because I don't like those kids as much, but I like these ones a lot. I'm like, all right, he's honest. And so he would walk beside these students in a way that was encouraging and affirming in a way that they understood, in a language in which they got it, in a way that they, it made sense to them. And so Chad just like spent his time discipling these students. He was somebody who I would call and partner up with like, hey man, we're going to New Mexico to like Rehoboth. I need another leader. He's like, all right, I put the request in, I'm going. And I'm like, all right. And he would go with us to Rehoboth, to New Mexico, and he would help us serve uh, the community, but also pour into our students who went. And so I think of like, I think of that. It's like, wow, God sends people in our life for seasons to really invest in the community in which we are in. God gives us people, assigns us people to walk beside us to invest into the community we are in. No matter what age we are at. God assigns people to us to partner up with us to go and make him famous in a community. And we see that this is true because scripture also talks about Jesus setting them out two by two to go out and preach the gospel. That Jesus assigns people, like partners to preach, ministry partners to share an experience. And we see an example of this in this passage. Barnabas is going, is up in Antioch and who does he think of? He thinks of Saul. He thinks of Saul at the time in which he, served, he like affirmed Saul in Jerusalem. He thinks he probably remembers that time and those experiences. And he says, he goes to, where, to Tarsus and gets Saul. He, I can just imagine him showing up like, hey, you're coming back with me. And Saul's like, what? Like, no, I can just imagine that conversation. Like, oh, I'm, I got sent to Antioch. I need you. Just, just come with me. It's only like a week and a half travel. It's fine. Like, it's just, we'll just, we'll just head over there. And I can just picture Saul being like, okay, I know I'll trust you. Let's go. Let's do this. Let's go. And so Barnabas goes and we see this, we see this image of the church, this man from Jerusalem going up to Antioch going to Tarsus to bring more people to help. And it just reminds me of a church and its workers. That these, these people are who, like these people in the church are people who God has gifted and has equipped. And there are people who we want to serve alongside with. As you, as you think about that, as you think about service, as you think about stepping into a community, who are those people who you like want to serve alongside with? Who are those people who, when you say, hey, something came up, I need help. 
Who are those people that you call up right away and say, like, hey, I need your help? It could be here for the church or at home. Maybe something happened at home or a pipe broke and you don't know what to do. And you're thinking, who do I call? Who helps me in this? Who are those people in your life who you really enjoy living life with? And you call them up to help you out. When you're going through stuff, when you're walking through trial, when you're maybe perhaps put in a position where you're called to step out of your comfort zone, who do you call to help you out with that? You see, Barnabas here had an opportunity just to do things by himself, and he realized probably that he wasn't fully equipped to do this. Yes, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes, he was loved by the community. But there needs to be a time which we can't, we're not called to do things by ourselves. We're not. This is why Jesus created disciples. This is why Jesus sends out disciples two by two. We're made to be in community. And so who are those people in your life that you think of when you're called to serve and you think, oh, I want to serve alongside them? I think of people in my youth ministry who I, would lo- who I love to serve with. I think of a friend, another, another Chad named Chad uh, Westernbrook. I think of Sarah Nidum. I think of a man named uh, Matt Spolstra and Savannah Winslow, people who I loved serving uh, in youth ministry with. Another man was Luke Riddout. Like, these are people who have spent time in our community and have invested in our youth, and they're people who I go to like, yo, I need help. Who are those people in your life that when you experience uh, an opportunity to serve, an opportunity to grow, are those people who you want to do life along with? I know many of you have small groups that you live life with every week, and that's a beautiful and amazing thing. And if you're not a part of a small group, I really encourage you to reach out to Karen Verhoeven, one of our uh, small group coordinators here at the church, and she would love to connect you with a group. So I think of, I see chapter uh, 11, verse 25 and 26, and I think of a church and its workers that no matter where we are at, when God calls us to serve his church, he's going to bring those people in our lives to bring us to a place where God wants us to be. God called Barnabas out of Jerusalem to go to Antioch. And then he has a stirring to go and call Saul to Antioch as well. Here we have this church that is so spread out, that is massive, it's spreading. And they're pulling people from all over to serve this community. They are pulling resources from everywhere to serve the church in Antioch. Places like from Jerusalem to Tarsus, resources from all over are coming in and are pouring in to a community. That is a beautiful image of the church that no matter where you are at, God is going to call you to use you to help further his kingdom wherever it needs to be. If that is here on the patio, even at home, watching through a screen, you are part of something much bigger than yourself. You are part of something so big and so beautiful. Yes, at times, the body is not so great. We fall short. Many, perhaps some of us have been burned by the body of Christ. There has been conversations or remarks made or actions done that have hurt you, that make you angry of the church. And I hear that, and I, and I want to acknowledge that. 
because yes, there are, like, there's a beautiful thing, but there are challenges that the church faces. When I say the church, I'm not saying just the river, I'm saying big church, the universal church. We, the, the, the term for that is the Catholic church, the universal church. And so there are challenges in which we face, and one thing that we can be reminded of is the early church also faced those challenges. We've talked about some of those challenges. But the Holy Spirit has guided each and every situation in that. And so as, as we were reminded that we are part of something bigger than ourselves, we have to also be reminded too of this passage that the church is in action. We see a church in action in this passage. It's not just one that receives, okay, but it's also one that's, that gives, there was a man who stands up, who comes from Jerusalem and, and prophesies. And when we hear that, we think, or we get really scared, especially like Western church, the, the, act, the, the work of the Holy Spirit in some ways, we kind of get afraid of because we cannot seem to put a, 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 a pin on it. We just can't fully describe it. And that's the beauty of the mystery. Like one of the beautiful things of Christ is there's a mystery aspect to it. And so we, we see this man prophesy. He stands up and he says, there is going to be a famine in the land. He gives warning and he says, this is from the Lord says. And the elders there just don't ignore him. They say, okay, what do we do? They sent help. There was no questioning. There was no doubting. There was no, none of that. There was, okay, uh, let's see, what do we do? Let's collect food. Let's do this. Let's go and we, let's send it out. There was no hesitation. There were no ifs, ands, or buts. This church was in action. A church that was born of trial, that was born, in, that was born of persecution, that was discipled by another church in Jerusalem that got resources from a, from a man who was in Tarsus, who, who invested in that community. This church that we've been talking about is now providing help for those around it because a message was shared at that church about what is going to happen. And this church steps up and this church helps out and distributes the food, the needs, the resources, uh, distributes it evenly to the people that need it. It, it, it tells us right here in, in, the, in 27-31 that they assigned the elders to go out and to like spread this food and they gave it to Barnabas and Saul to, to, to continue to pour into the community, to continue to invest in the church in Jerusalem. You see this church in Antioch, this church that went through so much and has experienced all these things is now a church that is going out and is helping out other Christians other followers of Christ. Reminding other people, yes, we received, we thank you for that. We're also part of this too. And we're going to help the best way that we can. One thing that I really love about this passage is there's a common theme throughout these uh, 12 verses. There's something very common here, a very common theme and if you haven't noticed it, let me point to your attention. The common theme here is the work of the Holy Spirit. Here we see this church out of persecution. They go and, and people start preaching the gospel. And it says that the Holy Spirit grew their numbers. 
Barnabas comes up and Barnabas, a man full of the Holy Spirit, is encouraging this community. We see with Saul and Barnabas again, workers of the church being led by the Holy Spirit to go and to help people. And then we see a man prophesy a gift from the Holy Spirit bring forth an action for us, for them to do, to step into. The fuel of the local mission is this, is the Holy Spirit. It's being led by the Holy Spirit to step into a place of receiving, but also to give. Let me say it again. The Holy, the, act, the Holy Spirit in this community was working for them to receive, but also to give. The Holy Spirit was in every aspect of every movement of this church, of the church, not just in Antioch, but throughout the region. The Holy Spirit is what guides and directs. The Holy Spirit is what directs the conversations. And as we are meeting today, some 2,000 years later, we have to be reminded that the Holy Spirit is continuing to be at work within us and through us. Not just individually, not just saying, hey, you're being called to this, but also communal, community-wise. The Holy Spirit is calling a community. The Holy Spirit is at work in community. I think that is one of the things that, that is um, not touched a whole lot in the quote Western church is, uh, is the communal aspect of faith. We, we know that Christ is our individual like personal Lord and Savior, but we also see aspects in scripture that talk about it being uh, community faith and that it's not just one person called to repent, but it's a community that is called to repent. We see this throughout scripture. We see this um, in the Old Testament a lot too is where they would have sacrifices for not just individuals bring, bring sacrifice, but communities would sacrifice the scape, the goat. There was a community aspect of faith. And so as we see, as we go through scripture, we see that this doesn't change. That the Holy Spirit is at work, not just in the individual life, but in the community's life. And that we here and on the patio, at home, in our couch, on our couch or the car, that Pathway Church in Trinity and Eastside and whoever that calls upon the name of Jesus is being guided and directed by the Holy Spirit. That we are part of them and they are part of us. We belong to something much bigger than ourselves. And it is the Holy Spirit that guides it. It is the Holy Spirit that moves us, that should be in the center of our conversation. The Holy Spirit is the fuel of the local mission. Be reminded and encouraged that as you leave this place, that you are part of something much bigger than yourself. That perhaps Christ is calling you to step, excuse me, to step into a place of service. And maybe you're scared to do so. Call that person up and ask them to serve alongside you. Whoever that may be, find your Saul, find your Barnabas to help you grow, to help you to, to live out the calling God has for your life. 
and be reminded that it is by the Holy Spirit that you are being equipped, that you're being fueled to go and to spread the good news of Jesus. That it is through the Holy Spirit that you can receive and it is through the Holy Spirit in which you can go and make disciples of all nations. Now, I'm not telling you to go and leave Redlands and to move to some different country. No, I'm saying as you live your life, that's one thing that, that's very beautiful about Matthew 28, 19, is it says, go and make disciples, but the way you can, the way you, trans, you can translate it from like the original language is as you live your life, make disciples. The emphasis here is not the go, but to make. As you live your life, make disciples. Be reminded that you are not alone in that journey that you are not by yourself and those who are at home, perhaps you feel this loneliness, be reminded that we are united in body and in spirit. Why? Because of the Holy Spirit. We are part of something much bigger than ourselves. And that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your spirit. We pray that you continue to guide us, you direct us. Lord, allow us to be sensitive to the work of your spirit. We love you and we worship you. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.